Hey, it's not quite the DeLorean, but we're going back in time with a new podcast feed full of all my favorite interviews in the history of the Bill Simmons podcast. We're coming up on seven years now. I've had an unbelievable collection of athletes, celebrities, showrunners, directors, Matt Damon, Denzel Washington, Adam Sandler, Kevin Garnett, Shirley Theron, Tom Hanks, Bill Burr, Kevin Durant, Peyton Manning, The Undertaker, Eddie Vedder, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he actually came on. Dave Grohl, Quavo, Barack Obama. I mean, what else can I tell you? I've had Al Pacino with Barry Levinson. I've had people like Steph Curry, Jason Bateman, John C. Riley, Jonah Hill. I could just, I could keep going and going. But wait, there's more. Whether it's your first time or you're planning on revisiting some of your favorites, make sure you head to BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com for the entire archive. You can sort by genre, year, and more to easily navigate all your favorite people. Follow the Bill Simmons podcast, The Interviews, on Spotify now. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer. Is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. Let's roll, baby. It is a jam-packed trade deadline recap. Jacob DeGrom debut extravaganza. I mean... I, I feel like we never stop here on New York, New York. We never stop. These last couple of days, I, I, I got to be honest, I feel like I've done 10 zillion podcasts. I've done 10 zillion lives. There's a lot to chew on. There's a lot to digest and welcome in. Um, Where do I begin? Honestly, I don't know where to begin. All right, here's what we're going to do. DeGrom, here's the good news, Meth fans. He looked fantastic. Some things never change. DeGrom throws scoreless innings. The Mets don't score any runs for him. The Mets lose at the DeGrom start. That's like old times. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. That's like old times from a DeGrom perspective. But the stuff was electric. I mean, the guy's throwing 102 miles an hour, and it was free and easy. 95 mile an hour sliders. 
I get that the national lineup is an out-and-out joke without Juan Soto. It's basically a triple-A lineup, for goodness sakes. But everything that you saw out of Jacob DeGrom was exactly where it needed to be. So first start, great. Pitching against the Braves Sunday, that will be a far more interesting test, and we see where it goes. That's the good from the Mets portion of the day. The bad is, if you were waiting for the wow move, the look at me move, the the humble flex or the not so humble flex from Steve Cohen and his front office, you did not get it. You did not get it because the Mets to me did a B minus C plus job of adding the sort of pieces I wanted them to add. You could look at that DH platoon and Vogelback and Rupp, who they ended up getting from the San Francisco Giants, they could end up being nerding out, good platoon, good splits, ends up working out, but they don't address catcher. They missed out on Vasquez, who to me was a better fit for Wilson Contreras. But what I didn't understand from a Mets standpoint, and I like Givens. I think Givens is a quality reliever. He pitched for Buck Showalter. He has done well with Buck Showalter. So I had no issues with the Givens move. Why did they not end up with David Robertson? David Robertson was the perfect guy to go and get. The Mets did not, you know, it's not like there was a situation here where where they would have had given up uh, the moon and the stars and heaven and earth to go and get Robertson. That, to me, was a guy to go get. So I was bummed out from a Mets perspective they didn't get him. I was disappointed they didn't go and get an impact bat. Clearly, they weren't in on J.D. Martinez. Fine, he hasn't been great over the last couple weeks. And the minute Josh Bell is packaged with Juan Soto, and they end up in San Diego, and I was wrong there. I thought maybe that'd be an off-season move, that the Padres go and get it done. I love it for the Padres. I can't stress that enough. I think the Nationals are a joke. Don't get me started when it comes to Juan Soto. But they miss out on Josh Bell, too. I hope we're not looking at the Met lineup a bat short. And what was Buck doing today? Bumping Nito down three. What kind of move was that? Listen, I love Buck Showalter. I think Buck Showalter is a fantastic manager, but you got to call it like it is. That's a lousy move. That's a lame move. So, underwhelming trade deadline for the Mets. Forget about the loss tonight. That happens. You're going to live with it. It is what it is. The good news is the Grom. The bad news is not good enough at the deadline. Workmanlike. Adequate at the deadline. Oh, my goodness. Before we get to the Yankees stuff, I'm just seeing this now from Stefan. We lost Phil Russell a couple of days ago. We lost the greatest broadcaster in the history of baseball in Vince Gully. Wow. And, you know, I grew up watching all sorts of baseball games. Obviously, I'm a child in the 90s. I grew up with the New York Yankees, as you know. But there were certain voices that were just larger than life. You'd hear Vince Scully do a game in a postseason environment or at Dodger Stadium or in the stupid movie for the love of the game, for goodness sakes. There is nobody more iconic than that man calling a baseball game. And there are some iconic, iconic, iconic announcers. And the Yankees have had a few. Mel Allen, Phil Rizzuto. But, like, for me, I mean, I think about the greatest announcer of my lifetime baseball-wise, it's Vince Scully. How can you argue otherwise? 
Time for Dodger baseball. The Buckner call, the Kirk Gibson call. And he was still at the top of his game when he was doing the Dodgers. What was it? A couple of years ago? When he rode off into the sunset? Rest in peace, Vince Dillon. One of the best to ever do it. The best. Excuse me. Let me rephrase. The best to ever do it. So I just saw that come across my timeline. Great job by Stefan getting that my way. Uh, I'm glad I didn't see it otherwise. I mean, that's that's a rough one. To lose Bill Russell and to lose Vince Scully in the last couple of days. My goodness. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. That's a rough one. Now, on a much lighter note, the Montgomery trade for the Yankees today. And I'm hitting on everything today before we get to your calls, and I'm sure we're going to have a ton of calls all over the place. The Yankees had a terrific deadline. Benintendi, I know he hasn't hit it all. He's going to be fine. They get Montez, who I wanted. They get Efros. They get Trevino. They, they added bullpen. They added a starter. They added a bat. Great. They get Gallo out of town. Hallelujah. This Montgomery for Bader trade, they, there's no other way around it. Super, super weird. Super, super, super weird. Bader can't play for a month. You saw Jamison Tyone tonight stink. Domingo Herman now getting starts. Not exactly something I'm confident in. And Luis Severino is not going to be back for another couple of weeks. So the Yankees are either going to be starting Herman or they're going to have to build up Clark Schmidt in a short amount of time. I was taken aback by that. Now, was there some bad blood maybe with Montgomery and Yankee Brass that developed? I noticed that when I was at City Field a couple of days ago. Maybe that's something we got to take into account. I don't know. But to me, Montgomery was as solid as it gets in the back end of the rotation. And you just gave him up for a center fielder who's not going to be here until September. I like Harrison Bader. I think Harrison Bader provides some really good things for this baseball team. I, I really do. But that trade was a head scratcher. Now, before you bash the trade and say it's an absolute total, no doubt, L. And I don't love it. Let me make that perfectly clear. Let me make that crystal clear. Ryan Cashman doesn't lose a whole lot of trades. I'm just throwing that out there. He does not lose a whole lot of trades. But for a Yankee team that's fighting to get home field advantage, that was a head scratcher. No other way around it, that was a head scratcher. So now you need Tyon or Herman to really step up. You need Severino back. And let's be honest, the Yankees need Frankie Montez to be good. Tonight, bad loss. Tyon stunk. I thought the bullpen management stretching out Litke the way that they did was bizarre. Aaron Hicks can't buy a big hit. Ben Intendi has one hit since he's put on a Yankee uniform. Bad loss for the Yankees. Bad loss. But go and win a series tomorrow. And all eyes are going to be on Yankee Stadium. Luis Castillo and Garrett Cole. That's a big boy pitching matchup. And after Cole did not do the job against Kansas City the other day, want to see how he answers the challenge. I mean, my goodness, this is a... Uh, this is a loaded one today. So DeGrom is back. The Yankees trade Montgomery, but the biggest story of them all, saddest story of them all, the legend, the icon, the best to ever do it, Vince Scully passes away moments ago. That's a tough one for Major League Baseball. All right, let's lead it off. I promised I'd get to him. Richard leads us off. He gets us going. What's up, Richard? How's it going, JJ? Uh, I'm doing okay, Richard. We're hanging in there. What's up, man? couple points. First of all, Considering the package that the the Mariners had to give up, not the pitcher only, do you rather Montez or rather um, Castillo? I know Castillo's the better pitcher, but they gave up a lot for him. Uh, Castillo's the better pitcher. 
If I had a choice, Richard, between the two, and I got to let you go there, Richard, because I'm having all sorts of feedback. If I had a choice between the two, it's Castillo, but I'm fine with Montez. I know his home road splits are a little scary, but the stuff plays, numbers against the Astros play, and he's got some cojones to him. Uh, I think Montez is going to be fine. Let's head to David, who's up next. He joins us. Hi, David. JJ, how you doing? David, I'm doing all right. Sad news here with Vince Scully. There's no doubt. I just saw that a few moments ago. Very, very sad. Yeah, definitely. I'm not such, I, I wasn't such a avid follower of his, so I'll leave it to some of the other people on here who knew him better uh, to speak about his uh, praises, but certainly an icon. in the- Best to ever do it. Not even close. Best to ever do it. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, pretty happy with Cashman's moves. Um, certainly addressed all of the needs. I just agree with you on Montgomery. He needed to get rid of one of the pitchers to make room, but. But why, why did, why did he need to get rid of a pitcher? Why? It wouldn't have, he have had a log jam between the five that are there plus Severino coming back in September. Wouldn't if he had a. Yeah, but Severino's not coming back for a month. Now all of a sudden I got to have Domingo Herman starting games for the Yankees. I'm not thrilled about that, David. So I, right. So, hey, JJ, that's what I'm saying. I think he just got rid of the wrong one. I think either Tyone or Domingo Herman, really, Herman really should have been the odd man out. I don't understand why they were in a rush to get rid of Montgomery, except I think you're right. Must have been something more than on the field. Yeah, it's very fishy. You know that, David? It's very, very fishy. It doesn't add up. The minute they made that trade, I'm like, okay, Harrison Bader, I like him. You don't have to play judges much in center field. He can pick it. He's probably one of, if not the best defensive center fielder in the game. So, yeah, you could sell me on a lot of that stuff. But he's got plantar fasciitis, so he's out for a month. That's number one. Number two, you're dealing with a situation now where, hey, guess what? Um, I need to win these games to get that home field. And, and now, all of a sudden, my starting rotation is compromised as I'm waiting for Severino. Not ideal. Not ideal. Didn't love the Montgomery trade. Montgomery's not great. He's a solid 3-4 back end of the rotation. That's what he is. He's a solid 3 or 4. But he eats innings and he competes. And I figured the Yankees made that trade. Boom. They're going to have a replacement. Whether it was Rodon or Lopez, whatever. They did not. Put a lot of confidence in Tyone and Herman over the next couple weeks. A lot of confidence. All right. Scotty is up next. Scotty on mute, and then you are ready to roll. How we doing, babe? JJ, how's it going? Scott, I'm doing well. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege. Thanks for joining us. What's up, pal? Thanks for having me. So I got to talk about how the Mets were the biggest losers of this deadline. I mean, you talk about how they traded Holderman last week, and the GM comes out here and says, it's a market for relievers. We're going to come in with two or three relievers. And here they come in three minutes before the deadline. They get the Cubs' third best option out of the pen. They they pass on Robertson, who goes for the Phillies' 27th best prospect. They pass on Rosenthal. They pass on Hayter. They pass on Iglesias, who goes to division rival Braves, who are trying to catch him. And here they are. They have four guys in the pen who need to be replaced. They got Joely Rodriguez, who's got a five ERA. They got Yon Lopez. They got um, Tommy Hunter. And then they got this guy, Nagosik, who comes in in relief of DeGrom and Five hours, not even three hours after the deadline, comes in and blows a game immediately, showing the, the weakness of this pen. The Mets had a real opportunity to come in and get the bullpen fortified, and they really blew it. Scotty, the guy to me that's the biggest miss for the Mets is David Robertson. And I've been screaming about him on TV for weeks. I've been screaming him here on these podcasts and in these live shows for weeks. He knows New York City. 
He's pitched in big games. There's not going to be any question of whether or not he can handle the market. And what I saw in return with the Philadelphia Phillies, the Mets should have been able to match that offer. Now, I don't know what went down. I don't know if the Mets were all in on Robertson, whatever the case may be. But I would feel so much differently about their deadline if Robertson and Givens were coming in. And I'm going to tell you, Scott, you're going to like Givens. Givens is a good pitcher. He pitched well for Buck in Baltimore. He has pitched in big spots. I think he can do a good job in the seventh and the eighth inning. But one reliever for this team is not good enough. It's just not good enough. It's not. I mean, you got you got Diaz and then you got question marks. All the Lugo's a question mark. Adovino's a question mark. Everybody after Diaz. And May, I don't want to hear about May. I mean, the guy isn't any good when he pitches. Now you're going to tell me that Trevor May is a guy that I'm going to count on in the eighth inning? No, I'm not there. And Scotty, I have a bigger issue with the Mets not getting another bullpen arm than I do the lineup. Because look, I thought Vasquez was perfect for him. He ends up going to the Astros. I didn't love the idea of Contreras being able to handle this pitching staff. I liked Contreras. I didn't love Contreras. I think they're okay with this Vogelback uh, Rupp platoon. I think it will be all right. I, I think, you know, I think it will nerd out. It'll be fine. The issue is that bullpen. I still think they're an arm short, dude. I really do. I think they're two or three arms short. I, I can't imagine going into the, the playoffs with Yon Lopez or Tommy Hunter or Steven Agosic on the playoff roster. Yeah, I, I, the good news, Scotty, some of these guys you're not going to see in big spots. Let's be honest. Your pecking order is going to be Diaz, Givens, Lugo, Adovino, Smith if you get him back, and McGill. McGill is a guy who I think could have a big role for this team pitching out of the bullpen. Not enough in the pen. I'm not going to fight you on that. Not enough. Let's head to the great Justin in Floral Park, who's up next. Hello, Justin. JJ, what's going on? Justin, unbelievable sad news with the Vince Gully passing, man. I mean, nobody better, bro. Nobody better. Yeah, I go back to him, 86. He did that Mets World Series. That was my first memory of uh, the great Vin. I know before your time a little bit. Yeah, but you know what, though, Justin? It just goes to show you how iconic those calls are. By the bag. Gets by Buckner, you know, like, and the Gibson call, like, there are, and dude, even this is going to sound silly, even his cameo in For the Love of the Game as he's narrating Billy Chapel, man, it gives me the chills, bro. Oh my God. But uh, yeah, Cashman did everything right. He got the guys we wanted, Ben Attende, Montes got the bullpen help, but I just don't understand the Montgomery thing. Like, I don't trust Tyone. I mean, I love Cortez, but is he going to be able to do this? He's pitching so many innings. Um, I would have liked them to have actually have gotten another starter, JJ. And I, I mean, I don't know if the asking price was uh, Gleyber Torres for Rondon or Gleyber Torres for Pablo Lopez. But honestly, when I watch Gleyber Torres more and more, the guy is always trying to swing for the fences, man. And uh, he's getting on my nerves, man. He's becoming like the next Gary Sanchez to me on this team. And I don't trust him in a big spot either. Yeah, but Torres, I, I don't like the idea of trading him midseason, though, Justin, to be honest with you. To me, that's the sort of move that would upset the apple card way too much with this team. If you're trading Torres, that's an offseason move. And he's been fine this year. He's not been great. He's been solid. He's going to hit 20-plus home runs. The The defense is way better at second base. Um, He does have a bunch of walk-off hits for this team, Justin. I know he didn't have a good at-bat coming off the bench in the ninth inning. Clever Torres had a lot of big hits for this team. I mean, listen, I, I hope he does. It just, you know, I've just seen it too much with October with this team, with these same old guys. I'm just hoping that, you know, maybe with Ben Attendee now, 
Trevino in the lineup, IKF, maybe some of these guys. They are better positioned, Justin, to hit in the month of October this year. Now, does that guarantee anything? No, of course not. The Astros are a really good team, and they're a team that can make you look stupid, and they're a team that can shut you down. But by adding Rizzo and adding Benintendi and having even a guy like Bader and what he provides, if he's going to be playing instead of Aaron Hicks, the Yankee lineup is better positioned to take down the Astros. Are they going to be good enough? That's the million-dollar question. But they, you know, Justin, they, I looked at the lineup at the beginning of the year, and I was like, there are guys that can't be here. Well, guess what? Gallo ain't here. Hicks probably isn't going to be getting big at bats for this team. And even Donaldson. Donaldson, I know he had a home run today. He is going to have to hit in order to be in a playoff lineup, and that's a good thing. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Carpenter's still hitting, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, uh, it's going to be very fascinating because, you know, the Astros did pick up some guys that really torment the Yankees. And Oh, Vasquez scares me, man. You know, Vasquez scares me more than Mancini, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but those were two terrific, terrific pickups. And I don't know if you felt this way, Justin. I was surprised the Orioles ended up selling. You know, they're right there. They're three games out. I, I, I thought they'd hang on. You know, like they have so much talent in the minor leagues to begin with anyway. I, I thought they might make a run at it, dude. I really did. Uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised. You know, that fan base deserves it. But uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, listen, it's going to be uh very fascinating now with uh you know the season going on but uh listen jj i like our chances but uh just the montgomery thing was a little head it's weird no listen justin no other way around it good call as always bud it was weird super super weird trade do i think it changes much for the playoffs not really assuming of course luis severino can come back because i think your playoff rotation would be Cole, Nestor, Montez, Severino. If they're starting Severino. You know, we toy with the idea of maybe pitching him out of the bullpen, start one of the other guys. I don't want to do that if the option is Jamison Tyon or Domingo Herman. I don't want them starting in a playoff game. No, thank you. Eric joins us. He's up next. Eric, hello. JJ, tough loss with uh, Vince Scully. Caught the, the breaking news just as you did. Yeah, it's a rough one, man. I mean, listen, Vin lived a wonderful life. He's New York through and through, made the move to Los Angeles, and became the most iconic voice calling baseball in the history of the sport. Just like, you know, this is a great tweet. Give uh, Chad Finn over at the Globe, who I follow, a lot of credit. I don't want to steal his words, but I'm going to give him. You can't tell. Listen to this quote, though, Eric. You can't tell the story of baseball without Vince Scully, and nobody ever told the story of baseball better than Vince Scully. Spot on, absolutely spot on. Uh, one of the one of the greats, probably the best to ever do it. Uh, but just looking at the deadline, um, obviously Yanks made a lot of great moves. The Montgomery one, I think, uh, you know, you really hit it. And as has everyone so far, it, it's kind of a head scratcher. Uh, why they would give up give up on him to go get an outfielder who we're not going to have for a couple months? Obviously, you know the defense is great. Uh, they'll have another year of team control. The only thing I can think of is. And you said it. The, maybe the relationship with the, with the brass isn't great. Uh, I know that he's going to be coming up on arbitration. Maybe they don't want to pay him. Uh, so that's really all that I can can think of because the move doesn't make a whole lot of sense because of just the outfield logjam. You know you're getting Stanton back uh, probably pretty soon. Uh, ben Intendi. So it's it's going to be an outfield logjam. Where's where's he going to play? Well, I think. 
Bader is a guy that plays against lefties. And I think he is primarily going to be a defensive replacement. Like, against a right-handed pitcher, I, I can't make the argument for Bader being in the lineup. I, I'm right there with you. And that's why, Eric, this trade to me is that much more perplexing because it's a trade that I think helps you next year where you say, all right, we got our center fielder. He's a grinder. Great. Like, if they – let me put it this way, Eric. If they traded Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader in December of next year, I'd say, yeah, that trade, that trade makes sense. I totally understand it. I totally get it. To make it now, when the Yankees still feel like they need an arm, hmm, don't love it. The only thing I can think of is that now with Gallo gone, and you know we were dancing in the streets when that trade finally went through, um, is that it's going to put? A, I think the, the heat is going to be on Hicks more than ever before. I think he's like oh for his last, you know, twenty eight or twenty nine. He can't hit a lick. Two double plays tonight, striking out in big spots. I wonder if maybe now they try and shop him in the offseason to just to get to get him off the team because uh, I, I think you know with, with Gallo now out, uh, it, it's it's going to be a, a glaring spotlight on him when he's in the lineup to to really do something or kind of not even be the fourth outfielder, kind of just be the odd man out of that entire group. The two guys, Eric, that are going to be under the microscope the most now that Joey Gallo is uh, finito, Josh Donaldson and Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks doesn't have a regular role on this team. Donaldson, for the time being, is going to have a regular role on the team. When Giancarlo Stan comes back, playing time is going to be hard to come by. Like, you better be hitting. That goes for Gleyber Torres. That goes for Josh Donaldson. That goes for Andrew Benintendi. Like, Benintendi against lefties may not be in a lineup. Don't rule that out. Options. A lot of options on that bench for Aaron Boone. Um, and apparently Boone was very hesitant when they asked him about the Seve news going to his 60-day DL. And Seve was pissed about it. He said, listen, I'm feeling great. I don't know why they put me on a 60-day DL. Makes you think maybe the Yankees screwed it up. Or maybe the Yankees are just so mindful of him keeping that arm harnessed so they have it for September and October. They don't want to burn the bullets in August. I don't know. I don't know. Let's head to uh, Mike, who's up next. Mike, the floor is yours. Take it away, sir. How you doing, JJ? Mike, we're doing all right. What's up, buddy? Uh, man, devastating news about Vin. Um, it's just you, you said it perfectly. I mean, it's like we lost we lost the voice of baseball essentially tonight. And uh, I mean, you know, the time was coming for that. But uh, two other things. Yeah, it was like a Degrom normal start tonight, huh? With the- I mean, some things never change, right? Degrom goes five shutout. Throwing 102, the Mets don't score any runs, and they lose the game. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it's just nothing changes. It's ironic how that works. Um, you know, I, I'm there's a lot of fans disappointed. I understand. Um, I get it. I, I, I I'm I'm at least glad they at least got two guys today. You know, at least it was better than nothing. I mean that that was like doomsday scenario if they didn't get anybody. Um, that Darren Ruff pickup, though, I think it's a very underrated move. He mashes against left-handed pitching, and the Mets have sorely needed that in the worst way this year. And Michael Givens, is, he's been fantastic out of that Cubs pen, which is a team that's not really that good, you know? He's got, I think his strikeout rate's just under 12 or something like that, something insane. And remember, Buck knows him well. He knows Givens well because he managed him for years in Baltimore. So you would think, Mike, he's going to have a good handle on how to use him. And I look at Givens as a guy who should be pitching in high leverage situations for this team. Now, as far as the rough Vogelback platoon, it's simple. That's exactly what it is. 
Vogelback against righties. Ruff only going to play him against lefties. Bing, bang, boom. That's your DH situation. And I don't hate that, to be honest with you. Listen, would I have preferred a bigger bat? Yes. But I've seen teams go down this road. The Giants went down this road and had great success doing it. But I do get the sense, Mike, the Padres get Juan Soto. The Braves go and get Iglesias, who I absolutely love from the Angels. The Phillies, even though they're well behind the Mets and the Braves, they get Syndergaard. They get Robertson. I think a lot of Mets fans thought they were going to be more aggressive today. I do. Oh, and I agree with you. And I mean, there's being smart and aggressive, and then there's being stupid and aggressive. I mean, you got Vientos and Alvarez. Yeah, I know a lot of people are like, hey, you know, Mets shouldn't prospect hug and try and get somebody. But if the Mets are going to be contenders year after year, especially the catching position, you know, and Vientos at third, I mean, if that's where they're going to eventually put those two guys, I mean, for next year, if this is, you're hearing reports as the week gone on, oh, the Mets might call these guys up. They're ready. You know what I mean? They're going to be ready next year come spring training and they'll maybe make a big impact on this team. I'm not saying that, you know, they got to get the right deal. You know what I mean? Getting Contreras as a rental wasn't the deal for me, I, in my opinion, or J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez has been terrible the last two months. But, like, getting Contreras for, what, two months? And then you had three catchers because you're not unloading that McCann contract. Forget it. And I wouldn't get rid of Nito either because he's been fantastic with this pitching staff. So it's like, you know, what do you do? You know what I mean? No, it's a tough predicament. To me, Mike, the catcher they needed to go get, if they were going to get a catcher, it was Vasquez. Because you would have handled a pitching staff. He's clutch. He's a gamer. He's a winner. That was the catcher I wanted. I was lukewarm to Contreras. And if they brought in Contreras, I thought he was going to be more of a DH than a catcher. Their big miss to me is not with the bats. Their big miss is in the bullpen. I thought they needed another bullpen arm. And they failed to get it. Let's head to Ian, who's up next. What's up, Ian? Hey, JJ. How you doing? Ian, we're doing all right. What's up, man? Wonderful words on Vince Scully. Um, I think the I think that Brian Cashman got caught playing 4D chess today because up until that Montgomery trade, I saw Twitter going off for about an hour from all the insiders speculating on Pablo Lopez. And I think he was trying to he was willing to swap a prospect to upgrade the outfield defensively. I mean, most championship teams have a really strong defensive center fielder and then potentially make a, a rotation upgrade. I mean, let's call it what it is. Pablo Lopez is a better pitcher than Jordan Montgomery. And I think he was willing to pay a prospect to do that. And I think half of that little plan fell apart. At least that's the way it seemed to me as the day played out. You might be right about that. And look, it's not a deal breaker for the Yankees with Montgomery not being there come playoff time. Now, Montgomery had a good start in the playoffs a couple years ago against Tampa. Last year, in the second-to-last game of the regular season, he absolutely just urinated all over himself against Tampa Bay and couldn't pitch worse. I think he gave up like five or six runs in the first inning um, and never gave the Yankees a chance. We've seen good and bad Jordan Montgomery. He battles. He's going to be a guy that's going to put some runners on base. He normally finds a way to work out of jams. And normally, teams don't score a lot of runs uh, the Yankees, I should say, don't score a lot of runs when Drew Montgomery's on the mound. I would have preferred keeping him, quite frankly. Like, I don't think this trade needed to be made. It's possible they had something cooking, but they also had to know, Ian, if they were going to make this trade, that they had a deal in place with the Marlins or whoever to go and get a starting pitcher. The Yankees, I think, were clearly comfortable saying, hey, guess what? Even if we lose Montgomery, we're willing to do it. 
I also think the Mets dropped the ball a little bit. I mean, you, you expect the team position the way they are and having had the offseason that they had to be more aggressive. I was very surprised that there just wasn't more or more significant news on, on that side of town. Well, especially when you consider, and good call as always, you got Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, and you don't know how long it's going to last. Max Scherzer is no spring chicken. As dominant as he's been this year, he is not 25 years old. Jacob DeGrom is a free agent at the end of the year. He's already proclaimed, I'm opting out. He's already been linked to the Atlanta Braves. It is possible Jacob DeGrom does not want to come back to the Mets. You have to acknowledge that. I know Mets fans aren't going to want to hear that, but that is a possibility that Jake wants to play somewhere else. My thought was, you got a chance. you got to maximize it any which way you can. And to me, the Mets are better, marginally. They're not drastically better. They're marginally better. I give them like a C plus, B minus at this deadline. Not an F, not an A. Somewhere in the middle. Ooh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now, your bits. Feet, toes, come on. Ugh. Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use. From pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a <sighs> shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. The great Hector in Washington Heights is up next. Hector, the floor is yours. JJ, how's it going, man? Hector, we're doing all right here, baby. What's up? Got to echo your sentiments. Rest in peace to the great Vince Gurley. That's like the soundtrack of my youth as far as baseball comes as Jack, Joe Buck is for some people. That's what Vince Gunny was, because, you know, that's, that's who I heard growing up in the beginning, you know, 86 and all that good stuff. So definitely sad to see a legend like him go, but, you know, I guess we're all going that way and definitely had a great life. Heck, the ain't kidding, man. And think about this. You know, this is from the professor, Johnny Massey. He signed off in October 2016. He said he's spoken of for a lifetime. Well, 67 years of calling baseball. Can you imagine that, Hector, for goodness sakes? 67 years of being around this great game and narrating all these great moments and all of these iconic moments. You can't tell the story without Vince Scully of the game of baseball. It's a thousand percent accurate, dude. That is amazing. I, I just hope to live 67 years. Amen to that, bro. As long as they're healthy, you know? Amen to that. Exactly, exactly. Um, but now, JJ, I, I, I got to say, man, I, I'm extremely disappointed um, with how today went to the point where <laughs> I even told a buddy of mine, and, you know, I'm not one of those that bets against my team against any circumstances, but I saw the line and everything. Now, like the way this, this day has gone and the way this, you know, this team plays on the ground pitches, I could see them losing today. It would just be <laughs> the perfect ending to the to what I feel is a very underwhelming day. Even when this guy told us, what, two weeks ago, that there was going to be such a robust uh, relief market and we go end up with Michael Givens, like, come on, man, come on. And you give me all these prospects. I think, like you just said, I, listen, and, and everybody wants to stay success. Absolutely. At the same time, this is a team that you think is kind of built to win now. But let me ask you, JJ, as this team is constituted, could you really say they have a legitimate chance at a World Series this year? Yes. See, I disagree with that, Hector. They do. 
because the Grom and Scherzer are your one-two punch, right? You have a legitimate chance with those two guys. Hector, I'm not saying you're going to win it, and I'm not saying on paper you're better than the Dodgers or that you're better than the Astros or that you're better than the Yankees because I think if we go margins and, and one through 27, whatever the case may be, um, you're going to take those other teams over the Mets. I, I, I understand that. But you get in the playoffs. You have elements that are winning intangibles from the grinder lineup to the idea of putting the ball in play to the two big guys in the rotation and Diaz being what he's been in the back end of the rotation or uh, the bullpen. Hector, there's a path for the Mets to go and win a World Series this year. There is. Listen, I, I hope you're right. I, I just... Hector, I'm not saying... I'm, hold, now, hold on a second, Hector. I'm not proclaiming I'm picking the Mets to win the World Series. You know what I'm saying? But you asked me a question. Can I see the Mets, as constituted, finding their way to a World Series? There is a path for it. There is. Yes. No, no, no. Trust me. I understand. I'm not pinning you down. I'm not going to do that. That's all right. I mean, you can if you want, Hector. I don't care. You know that. <laughs> I just... I guess for me, is Listen, it's great to have Jake back. JJ, I'll be honest. I got to see him pitch for more than a month and into the postseason for me to feel comfortable with him, you know, because uh, uh, you just don't know the way that the last year uh, uh, so has gone. And then at the same time, deep down inside, I, I have to admit, I'm still afraid of what the Braves can do in taking over the division and, and so on and so forth. So I'm looking forward. I've been looking forward to this weekend. I'm looking forward to more than ever just to see how we do match up with these guys. And I know we've kind of handled them this season. Um, is that going to continue? It'd be interesting to see. Well, Hector, I'll tell you this. I'm happy about the fact that I got Scherzer and DeGrom pitching in this series. I can tell you that. I'm happy I'm going to have those two guys ready to rock. And it is wild that you are going to have five games in four days between the Mets and the Atlanta Braves. And I can promise you we'll have a live Spotify Live right after the game on Thursday night. Sunday, we'll wrap it up as we always do with our big blowout pod. Uh, a lot of baseball to digest over the next couple of days. And listen, I'll be intrigued to see Monty in a Cardinal uniform and probably Montez is going to pitch one of those games against the Cardinals, I assume. So I got that. And I got five games in four days with the Mets and the Braves. Oh my goodness. Good thing Kate's out of town for the weekend. I mean, let me play a little golf. Let me sit on the couch and watch a whole lot of baseball. My goodness. That's a weekend. Clayton joins us. He's up next. Clayton, what's up, pal? Hey, JJ. Uh, I have to agree with a lot of your callers. As a Met fan, I, I just feel like they dropped the ball today. Yeah, the Met fan is down on these moves, Clayton. I, I totally get that sense. I totally get that feel. You feel underwhelmed. I understand that, dude. You feel underwhelmed. I do. And, I, you know, you're 100% right. The bat isn't the issue to me. The bats aren't the issue to me. It's the bullpen. And, you know, they've been, we've been waiting for this deadline to come to get a couple of good arms especially on the left-hand side, Joely Rodriguez. Are we serious? That's going to be the lefty we're going to go in to face a tough lefty in the playoffs. I mean, come on now. That, that's insane. I mean, he's been awful this year. And, you know, Chasing Shreve, that, that experiment was terrible. You know, and they had an, op an opportunity to get at least a lefty or, if not a lefty, a, a relief pitcher who can get both lefties and righties out. And they didn't do that. Uh, you mentioned Robertson. That, that was somebody they could have gotten. Iglesias. I mean, the Braves didn't go up that much for Iglesias either. They gave up Jesse Chavez and a prospect. I mean, it, it just, it was, I'm sorry. I just, Epler, especially when he made those comments like, hey, the reliever market, you know, it's a lot better than what we thought it was going to be when he traded Holderman. I would have rather kept Holderman at this point and traded somebody else for Vogelbach. 
if we could have. I mean, if, if that was his mentality going in, it just doesn't make sense. It's almost like he completely misread this this reliever market, and then you know waited until the last minute and got a, got a good reliever. Let's let, I'm, you know I'm not disappointed in the guy they got, but they needed to get at least another one or uh, a left a lefty for sure. I just you know the, the bullpen to me is just not complete, and it, you know this is the best year they've had since 1986, second best start in, in franchise history. You know, I want to capitalize on this. I want to go into to the playoffs feeling good about the bullpen, having a shutdown bullpen, and I don't feel that way right now. And uh, I just think they they were they dropped the ball today. I understand that, Clayton. Listen, I think you're going to like Givens. I think Givens is going to help your bullpen, but they did not add a lefty reliever. They did not add two premier relievers, which I, for one, was clearly looking for. Not a great deadline for the Mets. So so at best. So, so at best. Let's head to Bradley, who's up next. Bradley, what's up, buddy? JJ, good to talk to you again. Yes, Bradley. What's up, man? First things first, our RIP to the great Vince Foley, one of the best that's ever done it, and one of the biggest uh, voices in baseball, in my opinion. No doubt. Uh, involved with so many great moments over the years. The iconic voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He did the national games in the World Series for a very, very long time. And, you know, it's pretty wild that in the same week, you lose Bill Russell and Vince Scully over a couple of days. I mean, those are two of the best to ever do it in any form of life. Crazy. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was the one that called Don Larson's uh, perfect game in 1950. I believe you were right about that. Yes. Uh, back when he was calling Brooklyn Dodger games. Yes, that is accurate. Yeah, that's unreal. Um, onto, onto the... Uh, the Yankees move today. I mean, I thought I thought they had a really really good trade deadline. Uh, we talked about this uh, yesterday. Um, the, the Montgomery trade, though, it, it just puzzled me. And the part of me that um, was thinking too, um, I thought they were going to go in for Pablo. Uh, uh, what's called uh, Pablo uh, Lopez from the Marlins. Yeah, yeah, Lopez. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought he, they were going to go for him after they trade away Montgomery, and then the Marlins pulled out of that deal the last second. So. I think that kind of left Cashman just a little bit like, you know, in shock, I guess you can say. But I think they did have a plan. I just, I think, I guess things just fell through. Uh, that's my view on it. Yeah. And I think they prioritized Bader over Montgomery. And they better be right about that. Because if I got to watch Domingo Herman and Jamison Tyana, whoever, stink up the joint in August and September, and the Yankees lose out on home field advantage, that's a major problem, Bradley. That scares me, my friend. That scares me. It scares me too. I mean, I, I definitely do not trust Tyone. Uh, like he showed today too. I mean, the guy just has not been the same since he had, you know, had, he had that perfect bid uh, a couple months ago against the Angels, and he just has not looked right since. Um, Herman's still a question mark. I know he's he's pitched all right, uh, not great, but he's pitched all right the last two outings that he's had. But it's definitely, you know, it, after you know uh, Cole, Montas, and Nestor. I mean, it's still a question mark, and we don't know what Seve's going to be when he comes back in September, you know what I mean? And Seve did not seem happy, Briley. I mean, he did not seem happy about the fact that they put him on a 60-day IL. And the Yankees were kind of confused about it. So it's like the Yankees are babying him a little bit. They're babying him a little bit. Maybe he wants to pitch, he's ready to go, and the Yankees are like, listen, big boy, we need you in September. That's fine. That's fine. Sometimes you got to lose the battle and win the war. But they gave up competent back-end starter who eats innings. And the other two guys that are going to be getting the ball are not as good. They're not as good. Uh, let's head to Maurice, who joins us next. What's up, Maurice? How we doing, buddy? Yes, Maurice. Uh, we lost Maurice. How about Vince Gully? You know, that's a great, great find. 
did the catch game, the Dwight Clark game. That is that is insane to think about. That is insane. John joins us. What's up, John? Yes, Johnny. John? Gotcha, buddy. What's up, man? I, I think you nailed the Monty trade earlier. I think it's a trade for next year. I think they don't think they're going to really use Monty in the playoffs. And they wanted a great center fielder for next year. so they just Yeah, I think it's more a next year move. Now, listen, Bader would be on the roster. Bader would be a defensive replacement. Bader would have an opportunity to play against left-handed pitching. All of that is accurate. All that is true. But I, I think it's risky, though, John. It's risky because now you're putting Herman and Tyone in positions where they got to take the ball every fifth day. That scares me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's necessarily the right thing to do, but I'm saying that that is probably the explanation. And we can debate whether or not that's a good idea and whether they should even be thinking about next year yet, but I think that's what they're doing. And I like Harrison Bader's game. I think he's a grinder. I think his defense is exceptional, and I think you're going to notice it. But it's not something I would have prioritized over a back-end starting pitcher at this point. So I disagree with Brian Cashman on this trade. I would not have made this move. I would not have done it. Yeah, neither would I. <laughs> and, John, listen, it's a move that, like I said, in November, December, after the season was over, after I realized, hey, guess what? I might go and sign a starter or two, or you know, I might want to do this, I might want to do that, then, boom, you can make this trade. Making this trade now, I think is a mistake. But, again, if I'm going to trade cash, and loses. Outside of Gallup, it doesn't happen often. Scotty joins us. What's up, Scotty? I mean, JJ, Rest in peace, Bill Russell and uh, Vince Kelly. I mean, that's just two immortals right there. Two icons. There's no doubt. That word gets thrown around a lot, but those two guys are definitely immortals. And I mean, look, he, and he caught, he's called so many, 94 years old. And like the other guy said, I hope to live 67 years. That much, I mean, that's insane to me. Well, and you know what was amazing, Scott? You know, I, I can't say that I was dialed in to the early days of Vince Scully's career. Clearly, I was not a thought at that point. But, you know, I think about the end of his broadcasting career when he's doing Los Angeles Dodger games. He's doing Dodger games and it's, you know, late at night. He's doing four or five hours by himself and doesn't miss a beat, Scott. He doesn't miss a beat. He sounds just as good. It's amazing. Like fine wine. So I'm glad he went out on top. He lived a wonderful life, and he's going to be missed. He's one of the all-time icons in the game of baseball. What's crazy is when you he was born, I mean, my, my parents were born in 1958, and he had been broadcasting like six years already by then. <laughs> Just, That's wild. Scotty, absolutely wild. And one of the all-time greats, uh, and a whole biter on this Yankee, I don't understand the trade for uh, – Harrison Bader at all. I mean, why are we letting Monty go? We need arms. I don't want to see Domingo Garman every five days. That 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 just perplexes me, but I they gotta have something up their sleeve. I don't know. Um, well, they might down the road. You know, I saw a funny tweet, Scott, a few minutes ago. And he's a good follow on Twitter. I highly recommend Yankee Source. He tweeted at Masahiro Tanaka. And he interested in coming back. Scotty, this is gonna sound crazy. I would fly to Japan. I would go to Japan and get Tanaka back if he could be in Yankee Stadium for September and October. What That would be, Scott, out of the George Steinbrenner playbook to go and get Tanaka back out of Japan. You know what I mean? Tanaka, I mean, I know the analytic nerd, something clutch is a thing. That guy was clutch in the playoffs. 
I mean, I was. I... Oh, big time, Scotty. And I know he wasn't great in his final year in 2020, but Tanaka in a big game. I think about that Cleveland start. I think about 0-1 down against the Red Sox. Gave you comfort. I mean, it's not going to happen, but maybe, maybe. Dan a dream. All right, let's head to Elmhurst. Charlie joins us. Hey, Charlie. Hey, JJ. So, first thing foremost, uh, just condolences to Ben Scully's passing. He was just more than a broadcaster. He was just a generational, iconic, more than an American figure, and more than a baseball. And it's sad to see him go. And, yeah, that's, that's what, that's, yeah, that's it. Charlie, Vince Scully's a legend. And, you know, he's one of those guys that I wish I had the opportunity to hear him day after day after day. And I can tell you this, when I get off the air here, I'm going to go back and listen to some of those old calls, man, whether it's Kirk Gibson or whether it's Buckner. Or I, I may have to go and rewatch the catch. I mean, I can't believe he did that game, for goodness sakes. Um, um, I mean, I, I got to listen back to especially Michael Kay, who Mommy more saddened by this news more than anything because it was Fordham, Fordham grad and everything. So, but on to the, move on to the Yankees side of, side of the note. Uh, so I ran into, actually met Sweeney Murdy, uh, your former colleague. Very nice. Sweeney's good people, of course. And I was very confused when the trade I saw was like this Montgomery trade. And it didn't make any sense. And even Sweeney was perplexed with this move. And with this now, like, I mean, as soon as this guy Bader got traded and he's on the IL, the, the idiotic move by the Yankees putting uh, Severino on the 60-day IL. And I know you want to, like, you know, okay, wait until September, you know, then we push for the playoffs. But come on, JJ, these games in August are very important. Oh, they matter, Charlie, if you want to have home field advantage. Totally agree. And how about Severino? basically telling the reporters he doesn't feel any discomfort and he wants to rock and roll. That's telling, dude. That's telling. That tells you that the Yankees are babying Severino. Uh, I mean, I mean, they need to stop babying this guy. I mean, right now, the starting rotation, I saw Tyone when my naked eye. Guys, like, he's been a train break ever since that perfect game uh, start <laughs> against, against the Anaheim Angels. And, like, who was the other one? I mean, you mean even even yesterday, Vermont. I mean, he scored fair five innings, two runs, but it was that was infuriating. He got- no, I mean Charlie. It looked like he could have given up five or six runs at any moment in that game. Herman. I mean, Herman has not been the same guy since he had the incident in 2019. That's all there is to it. He has not been the same guy. He has not had the same command. And now the Yankees, unless they're going to rely on somebody like Cork Schmidt, Charlie, they are going to be relying on Tyone and Herman to start a lot of games going into September. That's not comforting. You know, the bullpen's deeper, but that's not comforting. Brandon joins us. We're going to take a couple more. Brandon, what's up, dude? Hey, JJ. Appreciate you taking my call. Brandon, my pleasure. What's up, dude? Uh, I was going to go over the Mets, but uh, given what happened with Vin and how uh, well-worn the trade deadline is, I thought I'd share. I was fortunate enough to uh, to meet Vin Scully uh, when I was when I was 20. Uh, and uh, Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. Where'd you meet Vin? Uh, I was a freelance PA at MLB Network. Okay. And because and because I was the only PA who could uh, drive, everybody else lived in uh, in Manhattan. I always got the West Coast games, uh, and so eventually, 
Uh, I went from putting uh, sound on MLB Tonight to ultimately uh, working on Baseball Seasons, the documentary that we did back then. And then one day they uh, they said they were going to fly all the PAs out to uh, LA to 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 shoot some some interviews with Vin. Um, and, you know, he wasn't traveling well at the time, obviously, but it was one of those examples of when you do kind of want to meet your heroes, if for no other reason than he was as classy and just kind to the staff when we all arrived, he got us Dodger dogs, he asked if we were Mets or Yankees fans, and, you know, for me, 20 years old, I, I, all I knew of Vin was really going through all his footage for documentaries and, you know, uh, some of his, uh, some of the speeches that he gave preparing sound for our editors so that he was there and energetic and was kind of talking to us about the, you know, I'm a Mets fan. So he's talking to us about the history of the Mets and Dodgers. And he said, you know, I hope that, you know, for all of you Mets fans that flew out here, I hope you feel like this is, you know, your second home as long as you're here for this series. That's tremendous, man. That's tremendous. That is something, Brandon, you're going to cherish for the rest of your life, dude. That's so super cool. I've always said that in my time there, the, the three classiest people that I met, one was, one was Sean Casey, but the two, the two that really stood out were, were Bob Costas, who was in the studio every day because he was just always in Secaucus. Um, but then Vince Scully was like, I mean, I, I just, I, when I got back to New York, I just, I felt like I had come out of like a dream. I was like, I, that was fucking Scully. I'd never even been to Dodger Stadium. I'd never been to LA. It was at 20 years old. It was like, it was it was unreal. And by the way, that was back when you and Tony Page were doing a lot of the overnights on WFAN. So you kept me awake a lot driving home at night after those West Coast games. I appreciate that, Brandon. Yeah, man. No, listen, those are the good old days, man. And that's an unbelievable story. Appreciate that perspective. And, you know, I think about this a lot. Because there are a bunch of guys that, you know, you grew up idolizing whether they're players, you rooted for them, whatever the case may be. And when they turn out to be good guys and they're not a bunch of douches, it, it means the world. And listen, for me to put myself in that position and compare myself to Vince Scully or Paul O'Neill or Mariano Rivera, any of these guys, who the hell, I'm little on me. But like, you know, I'm mindful of that. Like, I'm having a rough day. Not today on the golf course, but in general, like I'm having a rough, I'm having a rough day. It's like, you know, you run into somebody for the first time, like you gotta, you gotta make a good impression. I tell it to young broadcasters when they make it all the time. Don't forget where you came from. So that's full circle stuff. That's really cool. All right, let's take two more. Francis. What's up, Francis? JJ. Hi, Francis. What's up, buddy? We spoke yesterday about this Herman Severino and the bullpen thing, and now that's already out the window. Oh, that's completely out the window. They need Severino to start now. I mean, can you imagine, Francis, if you and I got to sit through a Jamison tie on a Domingo Herman playoff game? I, 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 I'm going to have to tell us why. I'm going to be drunk on the air. I'm going to be drinking all this bourbon if I got to sit through that. You kidding me? Especially after the moments after this trade deadline passes, Tyon goes out and walks four guys, and he's got a great. Uh, whip a walk rate. He doesn't walk a lot of guys. He winds up and walk walks four Mariners. It's it's. I'm about to stress clean my house at midnight because I, I can't understand how they how they do this this Montgomery trade because whether he starts in the playoffs or not is actually irrelevant if you think about it. He's going to eat innings in big games in August and September, even if he doesn't give you, you know, six or seven. He's going to eat five innings. He's going to eat innings. It's so important in August and September to stave off the the Astros for the one seed 
to get innings out of this guy and you trade him for someone that's not going to play who, who will also be a fifth outfielder at best. And if you say you're going to have him as a defensive replacement, who's he coming in for? Um, probably coming in for either Stanton or Carpenter if they're playing the but then you lose their But then you lose their bat in, in a playoff. Well, but if you're up in a playoff game, Francis, in the seventh or the eighth inning, you're going to take that chance. I, yeah, I mean, that's true, but... Well, if you're prioritizing defense and the Yankees are up by two runs, you're, you're going to take you're going to take Stanton out of the, out of the outfield. That's definitely fair. It's it's for me. It's more so the the Monty eating innings. No, I agree with you, Francis. I don't like it because the goal for this team is home field advantage. I don't think this trade helps you and enhances your chances of getting home field advantage because number one, Bader is not coming until September at this point. So you're not going to have until September, and now you're going to have. More innings from Tyone and Montgomery, uh, Tyone and Herman over Montgomery. No, don't like it. Can they get somebody off of waivers? I mean, who? I don't know. That's what I'm. Who? I, I mean, it's not I, I, easier said than done. I mean, the only name I can think of in all seriousness, Francis, and I brought him up a few minutes ago, is Tanaka. That's the only name I can freaking think of. Now, if they sign Tanaka, I would be freaking. And I'd forget about Jordan Montgomery in two seconds. If you told me Tanaka was flying cross country and was going to be back with the Yankees in Seattle, I'd, I'd go nuts. That'd be like Andy Pettit coming out of retirement. I'd be giddy. Not quite uh, Roger Clemens in George's box, but, you know, you get you get my drift. All right. Last but not least, the great Jeff Money. Money! What's up, buddy? How's it going? How's it going? Money, sad day. I mean, a whirlwind of a day. Uh, and it's capped off by the passing of the best baseball announcer to ever live, the great Vince Scully. Great. You and I was never a Dodger, but I loved listening to my serious radio and hearing the Dodger broadcast and just closing your eyes, you know, listening to it. Like you feel like you're watching the game on TV because he just just brought out the, the, the greatest of the baseball the way it is, you know? Oh, 100 percent. And we're still doing it for a long, long, long time. Think about this. And this is from our buddy Joe Giulio, my old pal who's at WIP in Philadelphia. Vince Gully called the Jackie Robinson steal a home the Hank Aaron record-breaking home run, the catch by Dwight Clark, Buckner's error. I mean, you talk about iconic moments. Those are some iconic moments behind the uh, behind the mic. And the cathedral that is Yankee Stadium belongs to a chapel. Oh, he was definitely the greatest. Definitely, definitely. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, he had a great life. That's the main thing, you know? Lived it to the fullest and made his mark. No doubt. No doubt. He didn't. He got paid for it. He enjoyed something he loved. And that's that's the greatest thing you can always ask for in life, you know. But uh, as far as far as going back with the baseball, because that's what he loved, you know, I, I'm not going to complain too much what went on with the Mets. You know, I know everything probably happens for a reason. And we'll have to see what happens. You know, I'm, I'm very grateful that the Grom, you know, got out of there in one piece today. Of course, like you were saying before, the usual they get maybe one run or no runs for him. They got one run for him. And, uh, you know, that's just the way it was. And if they lost, they lost. But uh, I'm just hoping he goes in one piece. I'm looking forward to the uh, the Braves series coming up there, the five. Oh, it's going to be rocking, man. Five games in four days. going to be rocking. And I'm telling you, Money, a couple of things I got on the, uh, on the little schedule for tomorrow. The under in the Yankee game with Castillo and Cole on the mound, I have that circled. Quick turnaround. Day game after a night game. I think the bats will be sleepy. Um, I am looking at, and this is a tip from our buddy, the professor, John Massey. Good play tomorrow is to take the Phillies against Atlanta. Isn't that a good play with Wheeler on the mound? 
getting ready for the Mets. That's the perfect look-ahead spot for the Braves. Perfect look-ahead spot for the Braves. And you got to think the Astros are going to lay the lumber on the Red Sox sooner or later, right? They can't get swept by Boston, can they? Like, I almost feel, give me the give me the Astros on the roll line tomorrow. They ain't losing that game. And that's another draw. I'm going to be looking forward now with Syndergaard. I'm so happy he did go to someone from the East because I want I want the Mets to, like, kick his butt when he's now he's playing with the. Oh, let me tell you something, Jeff Money. A lot of Mets fans will have circled on their calendar. Noah Syndergaard returning to City Field. And they're going to give him the business. Now, these are going to be a lot of the same F fans that loved every little thing that Noah Syndergaard brought to the table. You know, I fought with a lot of F fans over the years on Syndergaard. Fought with a lot of F fans last year about Stroman and Bias. I was right about those guys, by the way. Addition by subtraction. I feel the same about Syndergaard. I don't think he has much left, to be perfectly honest with you. Worth it for the Philadelphia Phillies. Trying to make the postseason, but I don't think Syndergaard has much left. Now, we will have a same-game parlay, which you do not want to forget about. Same-game parlay. Mets-Braves, you want to check that out over the course of the week. We hit one for the Yankees and the Mariners. we got to return a favor for the Mets. Harry Collins spent some time with me earlier today. He is the best. He is an absolute gem. You're going to enjoy that conversation. That's coming up in a little bit. All in all, great day, with the exception of the passing of the legendary Vince Scully. Uh, it's been a whirlwind. I've done like 10 zillion shows today. I mean, four pods, television, lives. We don't stop. I can't thank you guys enough. God bless you all. Enjoy your evening. Be good, everybody. So the trade deadline is done. The Mets add a reliever. They add a fringe bat. They don't go and get a star, but they have a big star coming back. He's back Tuesday night. His name is Jacob deGrom. This is a guy who managed Jacob deGrom. He managed Jacob DeGrom and Matt Harvey and Noah Syndergaard to a World Series. Now we work together all the time on SNY. The former Met manager, the great Terry Collins. Terry, what's happening? Welcome to New York, New York. How you doing? Great, JJ. Great. Thanks for having me on. Terry, Met fans are fired up. DeGrom is back. Talk me through. You got a guy who's missed a year. You're managing him. You're going into the final two months of the year. The Mets have a lot of big games moving forward. Would you look at DeGrom right out of the gate and say, hey, go get him, big fella? Or are you looking to ease him back? Maybe it's 80 pitches, start one. Maybe it's 90, start two, 100, start three. How would you handle these first couple of weeks for Jake? Well, first of all, one of the things we know is that this weekend, they've got the Braves coming in. So you're playing the Nationals, who just lost their biggest star today. Uh, and two, matter of fact, two good, two good players today. So I think you got to be very careful tonight. Jake's going to be all amped up. He's so excited. I just talked to him this past weekend. I was down in Miami, and, I, and he is so excited to get back on the mound. I think you got to rein him in a little bit. I think you need to take care of him. You know, eight innings, like you said, maybe eighty pitches, because if you keep if you rein him in tonight, you can bring him back on four days without I, I think any concerns about you know, overdoing it, the start of his, of his pitching again. So I think that I know Buck will take care of him tonight uh, because, and they, again, they've been, they've been lucky enough not, not to overtax their bullpen. So I'm sure they've got a fresh bullpen. So you look at the Mets, they're getting DeGrom back. That's a huge boost. That's as good a move, Terry, as you could make uh, at trade deadline time. But we heard a lot of the big names being linked to the Mets, whether it was Wilson Contreras mm -hmm. or, David Robertson, who finds his way to Philadelphia, or J.D. Martinez, who ends up staying in Boston. Did you look at the deadline work for the Mets and feel like they did enough? 
Well, yeah, I think, you know, again, they've got a good club. I think they needed a couple pieces. Obviously, they did need a reliever, uh, you know, to shore, help shore up that bullpen with some of the injuries they've had. But, you know, again, you're talking to a manager, J.J., and, my, and I've always said – you guys well, always want me. more. Who are you yeah, kidding? Don't, don't, ask, don't ask me about trading guys because if I got if I got a chance to get a, a star player to make my and make this you know make this run better and give us a better chance to certainly get get in way deep in the postseason, trade them. You know, that's, there's a reason why they're called prospects. They're just prospects. You know, you're not trading. You're not trading guys. You don't ever, never know what's going to happen down the road with some of these guys. So um, you know, they must have felt that they. Th- have, they have enough, and they went out and got a, a few pieces to help, and we'll see what happens. You're a manager of a team in 2015 that makes a monster trade for Cespedes. And, Terry, you know this better than anybody. That changed the entire feel, look, complexion of that lineup, of that team, and you guys go through the World Series. For these teams that made the big splash, whether it's Seattle with Castillo or it's San Diego with Juan Soto, who to me is the best hitter in all of baseball. Talk me through what that's like in a clubhouse when you see your general manager basically say, all right, fellas, let's go. It's go time now. We just made a move. We just got a difference maker. Does that like fire everybody up like crazy? Absolutely. You And you've named it. You know what it says? It says that it, the rest of the guys in that clubhouse are saying, hey, ownership believes in us. General manager believes in us. You know, he thinks we're good enough. They went out and got us some help. You know, look, we've, we've got we've got the, the pieces there. When Seth walked through the doors of that clubhouse, everything changed. You know, and then we, you know, you also, you got to remember, we got Kelly, you know, we went out and got Kelly Johnson. We got Juan Aribe. We got Addison Reed. We got Tyler Clippard. You know, and all of a sudden, with every one of those pieces, the, the, the entire attitude of the clubhouse changed. I mean, people are saying, wow, we, you know, we are good. We are. We are just. We aren't just a, a you know pipe dream. We're, we're legit, and I think it makes a big difference. And certainly tonight, getting Jake back is a huge, huge piece. So you managed Noah Syndergaard. You saw yes. Noah Syndergaard at the top of his game when he was pitching that wild card game against Bumgarner, and he's matching him zero for zero. He's pitching game three for you in the World Series. You guys are down 2-0. He's basically saying, "Hey, this is my plate. I'm taking over. It's my time." And he hasn't been that guy, Terry. Let's be honest, over the last couple of years, been so-so with Anaheim so far this year, and he gets traded to the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, Philadelphia's got work to do in this division, and they got work to do just to make the postseason. A lot of games with the Mets, a lot of games with the Atlanta Braves. What version of Noah Syndergaard do you think is coming back to the National League East? Well, you know, I, I did see one of his games on TV, and, I mean, the delivery's there, but you know, some guys just don't bounce back from Tommy John, like, you know, like a lot of other guys, you, you know, the theory for a long time is, well, go ahead, Tommy John, you're going to throw harder. Well, Noah already throws hard. Uh, I, I will tell you this. He is one of the hardest working, if not the hardest working guy I've ever been around. I think he needs to really kind of back off some of that. You know, he's a tremendous in the gym. He, he trains like crazy. I think he needs to calm it down and let his shoulder, you know, get some rest between starts because he is an animal when it comes to, to keeping himself in shape. But, but you know, if he gets his, a couple of clicks back on that fastball where it's up to 96, 97, I, I'm telling you, I think he's going to – I think he's going to – that's a good pickup for, for the Phillies. You know, I, I said at one time, if I had to pick out a guy to – that to close the game, it was going to be Noah Syndergaard. And let's be honest, Terry, you brought him out of the bullpen in game five in Los Angeles, and he was 
He was electric coming out of the bullpen. You, could you see a guy like Syndergaard down the road? He's not going to want to do it because there's just too much money in being a starting pitcher. You think he'd profile terrifically as a closer or a setup guy? Well, I just, I just don't know if he doesn't get if he doesn't get that real good velocity back. I think he needs to start because then then you can use use some other pitches. But one of the things I think Noah, you know, started to get away from, and that is, you know, we uh, Dan Worthen, our pitching coach, taught him the two seam fastball and taught him the, the changeup were two very, very effective pitches for him. What it did, it allowed him to get fast outs. He didn't have to go three and two on everybody with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. So he got some 97-mile-an-hour sinkers where he got easy ground balls. And so instead of having 100 pitches in five innings, he was, you know, he could get you deep, deep into a game as he did in the, in the playoff game. So uh, right now I think Noah's probably uh, starting is probably the best spot for him at this time. And, and I think that, you know, as he continues to, to heal and, and build up some of that arm strength, maybe that he had lost after two years of not pitching that uh, he, he could be legitimate again. Terry, you spent a lot of time around the team this weekend. You're doing a series in Miami. Um, I thought that was such an impressive series for them from this standpoint, they're coming off the heels of playing the Yankees. You know, those are emotional games. They take a lot out of you. And the Mets won both of those games. They're, they're cruising along in first place. The Marlins are not any good. You're down three to nothing against Alcantara, who's been as good as anybody, and you fight back in that game and win. And then you win on Saturday. And then you win on Sunday. And I thought it kind of spoke volumes on what kind of team and what kind of feel they have going so far this year. You think this is by far and away? Like, you guys made the World Series. Different feel with your team, though. You guys got hot at the right time. You guys were a second-half team. Do you see any similarities with this team to the team that you managed to a pennant? JJ, I, I truly do. First of all, one of the things about the Yankee series, you know, they were very, very fortunate for me that I believe they had the next day off. You know what? The, with all the emotion and all the energy, you know, it kind of it can beat you up, you know, with your adrenaline. So they had a day to recuperate a little bit. Then they go in, they're, you know, they're playing the Marlins. And I'm going to tell you something. They are now, they know they can win. They have done it all year. You know, one of the things that they talk about, all the guys, they talk about playing 27 outs. Hey, we're not just cashing in because we're down 3 nothing to Alcantara, who's arguably maybe the best pitcher this year in the National League. No, they're going to say, look, you know, we got a good team. So they put together a good second inning, got right back in the game. Uh, and from that point on, I mean, they did such a good job of building up his pitch count, you know, to run, have him run into problems. But so – there's a lot of similarities I saw in the second half of 2015 that I see this team. You know, we swept Washington. We went into Miami and we stayed on the roll. We didn't take for granted that, hey, those three games in Washington were, were huge. We just kept playing good. And, you know, and winning is as contagious as anything there is in sports. Isn't it crazy, too, how they feed off of Scherzer? There are certain guys, Terry, you know this. You've been around a lot of big league clubhouses where the presence is felt through everybody, not just the pitchers the position players, the coaches, the manager. It's just everybody's on edge when Scherzer's on the mound, and it's a good thing for the New York Mets because the guy doesn't accept losing. He's a badass. He's demanding accountability on everybody throughout the roster. Like, watching him pitch every fifth day, you want to talk about game changers. Getting Buck, putting him in the dugout, getting Scherzer and putting him at the top of the rotation, those are game changers for the Mets. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, this guy... There, I mean, I, and I'll tell you, I, and I've been around Jake Brown a lot. He's a competitor, but at a different level than Scherzer. I mean, Max Scherzer is so intense when it comes to the day. You don't, he's one of those guys you don't talk to during the game when he's pitching. 
You don't even want to, you know, you see him when he's not pitching, he's talking to everybody in the bench. He's over talking to the manager. The days he's pitching, he ain't talking to anybody. You know, he is pounding up and down that dugout. He doesn't sit down between innings. I mean, he's just a different animal. And you know what? And that stuff spreads on the team. It just, you know, you, you look at the star players and you say, you know, maybe that's how we're supposed to do it. Maybe that's how we're supposed to act. And, and it does. It's a game changer. And, and I think Max is, was a great pickup for that. And I would think, Terry, that that's healthy competition between him and Jake, right? Like, I understand Jake's coming off an injury, so he's got to be built up to a certain point. But when those guys are fully humming, I almost think it's like a good thing for them. Hey, see what I can do. I can do it better. You know, like that sort of thing. I think it's great for a team, great for a clubhouse. Let's go. It is great. And that, and you love that about, you know, when I had all those young starters, when I had, you know, Harvey and DeGrom and Wheeler and, and uh, Mats, and, I mean, those guys, I wanted those guys to compete against each other. You know, somebody went, Jake went out and threw a three hitter and, and the next night Scherzer's on the mound, or, or I mean, Syndergaard's on the mound, or maybe it's Harvey on the mound. I wanted him to throw a three hitter and he wanted to throw a three hitter. And, you know, that competition between the staff is is really good energy in the club. Terry, if they're going to hold off the Braves, obviously they got to play well in these head-to-head matchups. That goes without saying. But is there one X factor that you would look at for the Mets outside of Jake, who we know needs to be big and needs to come up and be right there with Max Scherzer? If there's another X factor and the Mets holding off Atlanta, who's a very, very good team, a team that can hit the ball out of the ballpark, a team that got better at the deadline, and they got a ton of power. Is there one element that you'd be looking at in particular? Well, first of all, in my from what I've seen in the last, oh, certainly the last three or four weeks, the closer. I mean, you, if you How can How good has he night, been, Terry? I can't believe oh, he's doing this, man. It's unbelievable. He's been spectacular. And I mean, easy. I mean, the other night, he threw 10 straight strikes. You know, he almost had the immaculate inning. He threw 10 straight strikes, and every pitch was located perfectly. I mean, I've never seen this from a guy who throws 100 miles an hour. You know, so if you can have that guy, somebody that can bridge that seventh and eighth inning to get to the closer, they'll, they'll, the Braves won't have a chance. Wow. And look, Atlanta, without Freddie Freeman in that lineup, they're very, very good. Don't get me wrong, Terry. They got power galore. They turned this season around. They basically locked up everybody in that infield now. Riley's not going anywhere. Albies is there. Acuna is there. Olsen's there. But Freeman, you know this. When there were guys, Terry, that you didn't want to see coming up to the plate in those big games, you probably put Freddie Freeman, Derek Jeter, I don't know, Chase Sully. It's in some Absolutely. order whatsoever. You take your pick. I think taking Freeman away from the Braves in these big games is going to show over the next couple of weeks. I agree. I agree. Matt Olson's a good player. No, no, don't get me wrong. But Freddie Freeman. And they Freeman, might be happier with him, Terry, four or five years from now. Who knows? But for this year, at this time, I'd rather have Freeman. Yeah, without a doubt. Freddie was the backbone of that whole club, you know, and the, the way he went about things, the way he played, his leadership in the clubhouse, you know, they're, they're, and I know they got a good team. What Austin Riley's doing is, you know, unbelievable this month, but they're going to miss Freddie Freeman as, as they get, you know, in the next couple of months. Who was the one guy when you managed the Mets that you didn't want to see up at the point at any time? Was it Freeman? Was it Jeter? Who was it? Well, because we played the Braves so much, or played in our division so much, it was Jeter. And, you know, and when I first got the job there, it was Chase Utley. I mean, this guy got huge hits against us. Uh, you know, I brought it. I can't tell you how many lefties I brought in to face Chase Utley, and he just kept hitting the ball over the fence against them. I mean, it was he, – he was a tough, tough out. But, you know, in all the years, every time we see, like, we played, you know, went in and played the Braves, Freddie Freeman would be up 
every time in the ninth inning with somebody on base. I hated it. I can understand that. When you think back on that 2015 run, it was unbelievable. You guys getting into playoffs, you win the division, you play an epic five-game series against the Dodgers. I mean, you lose game four, you got to go back. Murphy, his heroics, the bullpen, their heroics, smoking the Cubs. Is there a highlight for you, Terry, that kind of stands out above the rest when you think back on that 2015 run? Like, if there's one moment that, like, is crystal clear in your mind, what would it be? Well, I will tell you it was game five against the Dodgers. I mean, we got to fly back to Los Angeles. You know, we've got to face uh, – sorry, Granky. I had a It was Granky yeah, after Granky. losing had to Kershaw, yeah. Granky, who had already beat us. So, you got to face him. And, and to win that game, this, the job that Noah did, get Justin Turner out. And then, you know, we for the first – probably the first time, I gave Familia two, uh, two inning, you know, six out save. I mean, and he, he had great stuff. And then I go, we go into Chicago, you know, and we just were just played great. We pitched great. We played great. But those, that, the thing that killed us were that five days off between the Cubs and the World Series because, you know, we just lost the edge right there. And that Royal team was such a pain in the neck. They were relentless offensively. Hosmer, Lorenzo Cain, Sally Perez. They added Zobrist, and he was terrific in that series. And you know what, Terry? You did the right thing by starting Harvey in that ninth inning. I know you don't need me to tell you that. Any Mets fan who was watching that game that day said, hey, guess what? Matt Harvey needs the ball there to start that ninth inning. Like, that's the sort of decision to me. Like, if I'm a manager, and listen, you make a ton of them, you get paid the big bucks, that's your call, that's your choice. I, I feel like that was such a no-brainer watching that game that day. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, at the time, as I, you know, at the time, I really thought it was. Um, but I, I will tell you, the thing that hurt us in, their their bullpen, we just couldn't hit it. You guys couldn't I mean, touch it, man. They were terrific. When they when they came back and tied the game, I don't know if we got it got two hits, or, you know, in the next few innings when we had extra, extra innings. And their bullpen was so good. That's that was that was why they were tough to beat. You know, you think about the Cubs who you played. They're the perfect example of why when you have a chance to go for it, you better go for it. Because like Terry, I know you guys beat them. The following year, they win the World Series. They break the curse. The whole deal. I would have thought that team, Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, all the pitching they had, they, they're set up. They're going to be they're going to be really, really good. They're going to win multiple championships, the whole deal. They didn't get to another World Series. Man, you got an opportunity to win it, Terry. You got to go and win it. Bottom line. <laughs> I'm telling you, I have said that forever, JJ. When I was in Houston, you know, the first year was stopped by a strike, but you know, my next two years, we finished in second place. And we, you know, we tried to make some moves at the deadline, but we didn't get enough pieces. And I, I used to tell the general manager, hey, it's so hard to win. It is so hard to win. We, you once in a while, you got to take a shot. I, I agree with what Scott Service said, by the, by the way, who was on those Houston teams. What he said the other day is, hey, look, you know, once in a while, you got to take a chance if you're in a race because it's hard to get there. And so to sit back and say, well, we're, you know, we're going to be good enough when you know you need some pieces. I, I, I tip my hat to the teams that said, hey, look, we're going we're gonna to trade some young prospects because we think this could be our year. I salute those teams. I think that's what you got to do in the big leagues. Terry, final one. You know the National League very well. The Mets have an excellent chance to go deep in October. The biggest threat for them, is it the Dodgers? Is it the Braves? Or is it the San Diego Padres who just brought in Juan Soto and Josh Bell? Who's the Mets' biggest threat? Well, I think it's going to be the Dodgers. You know, they know how to win. They've done it. Uh, they've got, they, you know, they've got a good club and they're, you know, they, they just, they have that pedigree about them. And 
I, you know, I got to see how the Padres do with all, with all these changes they've made. Um, but right now, I think you gotta, you're going to have to, if you get to the World Series, I think you're going to have to go through the Dodgers. And Terry, let's be honest, the best case scenario for the NL East is to be the two seed. You get Milwaukee, who just traded away a hater. You let the loser take on the Padres, duke it out in the best of three. And oh, by the way, if you win, you got to go play the Dodgers. That's how you set up a series, man. The Mets getting the two seed would mean everything, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be huge for us. It'd be huge. And, uh, you know, and I'm just, I, after watching this past weekend, I have really, they are really a fun team to watch. I mean, we go back and look at Escobar the first night beating out a ground ball. I mean, a routine ground ball. Little things, that. right? Little, and you know yeah, what, Terry? You've seen it with this manager. I think the manager, we talked about Scherzer. Buck makes a world of difference, too, with this team. And we were saying that back in December, for goodness sakes. I know it. And you were absolutely right. He has made a huge difference. And you know what? He's an old style manager. But you know what? He has a, a way about him and say, hey, this is how we're going to play. And you know what? The players have bought into it. You know, you can always have that guy say, ah, you know, I, you know, I, I haven't hit those. I'm, if I hit that routine ground ball, I'm just going to, you know, three quarter at the first base. These guys don't do that. I mean, Pete Alonso the other night hits a ground ball and dives into first base. Didn't like it, you know, because he, you know, take a chance to break his hand or something. But it just shows that, hey, look, they're, you know, they're going to play the game the right way. And I think it, that's why they're so fun to watch. Terry Collins, the manager of the last team for the New York Mets to find their way to a National League championship and a pennant. Terry, continued success, brother. I know you're striking the golf ball great. You're as tan as can be. Uh, I expect to see you up here come October. The tan will still be fresh, I know. That's for sure. And I can't wait to see you next week. I'll be up there in two weeks and uh, can't wait to work with you again. I was going to say, we'll be rocking much better suits than I'm rocking right now. As I just, <laughs> hey, sub, sub 100 today on the golf course, Terry. Not 75 like, like you, it. but we're, like we're getting there, like bro. It. We're getting like there. It. Thank like you, Terry. Appreciate it, right, it bud. Take care.